Survivors and welcome to Generic Medkit, a The Last of Us podcast by Resident Evil fans for Resident Evil fans. This is First Aid Spray bonus episode 5 and in this edition we'll be travelling across the post-apocalyptic United States of America in search of fireflies in our look at 2013 PS3 Naughty Dog classic The Last of Us. My name is Syniac, you can just call me Cy and joining me on a rather loaded panel this week is that a clicker I hear or someone constantly refreshing news sites waiting for that Mass Effect remaster announcement? Yes, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. You're called out now. Hello. <laughs> if you press L3 to listen closely, you may hear his brain still screaming about Liverpool winning the league. It's Serial Box 64, Jordan Saru. Hi, folks. He's been searching for those fireflies in pet stores on DVD racks, but he can't find a damn thing. It's Moist Owlet, aka James. Hello. <laughs> And after sleeping through our original scheduled recording of this episode, we've elected to repeatedly throw bricks and glass bottles around the Discord server to get his attention. It's Boy Wonder, Adam Russell Reeves. It's early here. (laughs) Sorry, I had to call you out. (laughs) The subject of this bonus episode, like all others, was voted on by you, our Patreon's backers. Support the show now to not only keep us afloat, but to also create new content, select what that content is, and hear it a month before everyone else. Tiers begin at just $1 a month. Check out patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for the full breakdown. Okay, it's feels like it's been a while for us since we did a bonus episode recording, so we're going to jump right into it. Um, this episode is part of a brand new series, because apparently we love podcast series around here, which is the Pile of Shame. Uh, the concept being that I asked um, everyone in the team for a game that's on top of their pile of games they know they should have played or they wanted to play, whatever the case is, just they have never got around to it, and it would be an excuse for them to you know, cross it off that list. We've all got them. Um, so everybody gave me a game. We're not going to announce uh, whose game was what. We never, we didn't say that when the polls went up. We're only going to announce them when we record said episodes. So over the next however long, we will be getting through basically that entire selection, if not all of it. Um, but the first one to win from the selection was The Last of Us. It got 55% of the votes. Uh, so I can announce that that was Adam's choice of game. Um, so so that'll be interesting to see uh, your take on it as someone who's not played it before. Um, I know that several other of us are in that position as well, but before we get into our sort of first experiences with it, uh, a little bit of backstory on The Last of Us, I suppose. It began development in 2009 after the release of Uncharted 2. Uh, half of Naughty Dog went on to finish off the Uncharted trilogy, and half of them split off to work on The Last of Us. The game was revealed in December 2011, and then released on the 14th of June 2013 worldwide for PS3, and then again between the end of July and the beginning of August regionally on PS4 quite recently. It was a massive success critically, 10 out of 10 from CVG, 10 out of 10 from Edge, 10 out of 10 from Eurogamer, 10 out of 10 from IGN, 10 out of 10 for OPM. Joystick gave it a, Joystick gave it a 5 out of 5 stars. It sold over 1.3 million, million units in its first week, and it's gone down as arguably the PS3's biggest exclusive game. So it's a large one. Uh, before we break it down into pieces, let's, let's give our prior experience with this one. Jordan, what's your early memories of The Last of Us revealed? Did you play it at the time? What's your experience with the game? No, didn't play it at all and wasn't really planning to um, prior, prior to this podcast. I, I'll be quite honest, I wasn't a fan. Like, I had enjoyed, um, you know, Naughty Dog's games, particularly enjoyed Uncharted for the potential, you know, that it had as a new series and enjoyed Uncharted too. It, it certainly kind of grew 
uh, grew out of that. But there was obviously there was a big love and a big hype for Naughty Dog. That is, you know, by all accounts, justified um, to the to the wider community, especially PlayStation fans, because it was, you know, effectively becoming a, a bit of a brand icon. Mm. But I I looked at The Last of Us and I wasn't necessarily seeing what everybody was kind of getting hyped up about at the at the time uh i I was kind of i was almost pulling away from the more cinematic uh games and i I was seeing a lot more games that were kind of more focused on set pieces spectacle uh, and really kind of you know taking the control away from you i kind of lumped the last of us into that um but I, i i think you know in the in the end it's actually you know handles it pretty well but Still, like you know, I saw I saw the the uh, demonstration. I think it was E three two thousand twelve, so like a year mm-hmm. prior to release, I think. And uh, it, it was it was a very impressive demo, but I wasn't necessarily sure that it was going to live up to all of the promises they were making with it because it was it was all based upon having AI that was very smart uh, and very tactile, and I was just sort of like, well, this is this is the Uncharted devs, right? They're not. <laughs> They're not just suddenly, you know, evolving into this mega developer, but right. um, yeah, I, I was, I was just, I was cold on it. Last of Us Part Two's obviously just recently came out at the time of recording this, and again, not really interested in it. But I've obviously now played it for the podcast, and I'll be giving my thoughts. But up until this point, really, really was not. It was, it was not even in my my stratosphere. I was not paying attention to it. But yeah, I, I will, I will admit with with a little bit of hindsight here and you know foreboding for what's gonna come as far as my thoughts my reservations were flaky on the game because i wasn't really looking at the game itself i was more looking at how i was feeling about games at the time and how i was generally feeling a a reluctance to hype that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i felt about it right i think maybe some of that was in me as well um without going too long on my gaming history i was I was a Sega kid, um, so there was a certain point where I needed to decide where my allegiances were going to lie when the Dreamcast failed, uh, and I wind up getting an Xbox around that time. And up until summer of last year, um, I hadn't really been much of a Sony person, just by virtue of not really owning the consoles and just sticking with Xbox, sticking with Halo. So um, for me, when The Last of Us was announced, I remember seeing it and not thinking too much about it, Mostly because I guess just don't really pay attention to what's going on over there because it, it you know it's not for me. I'm not going to play it. It wasn't out of um, hatred or or anything kind of like that. You know, I didn't have my my hand on my heart and my hand in the air for the Xbox. Uh, but I was just like, well, I'm not going to play this because I don't have the console, so I'm not going to pay it too much mind. I did get a short playthrough the first few hours because of a friend. Um, who, who was hyping it up for me and it didn't really do much for me um, I didn't think the gameplay was particularly anything special um, and after that I just kind of resigned to, to, to put it on a map but since I got the PS4 last year I've been looking at a list of exclusive that I never touched and this was already on it so it was just good timing for me to to play through it finally but yeah I was also in the camp of yeah, meh, basically. Um, Steve, what was your earliest experiences or, or, or exposure to The Last of Us like? We all have those, like, that circle of friends when this new, like, re- really new popular thing is, like, the craze, and they're all going, oh, it's amazing, you need to try it. 
uh, for example, let's say uh, the Lord of the Rings films or the Star Wars films or something like that. Yeah. I had that kind of reaction to it where everyone was telling me this is this great new thing. You need to try it. And as a result, because everyone was saying it was amazing, I was like, oh, I'm not going to play it then. Because you just (laughs) shut the frig up about it. Um, And it took until the remaster coming out and then way after the remaster's release, we to actually try it. I only played this game last year. Hmm. Uh, So I am very late to the party bus on this one. I haven't played the original PS3 version. So... Yeah, that my, my general reaction was that I was sticking the mud because people wouldn't hi- wouldn't stop hyping it up. I just couldn't bring myself to play it. And then I saw it cheap enough and thought, no one said a word about it for a while. I'll finally see what the fuss is about. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's that is definitely the camp that I was in. And I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think we all played the remastered version of this. Uh, so it is worth saying that that's the perspective that we're going to be coming from as well. Uh, James, what was your previous experience with The Last of Us like, if you had any? Uh, yeah, I um I did play this game before uh, when it what was it 2014? 2013. Yeah, um I did I did, I played it when it came out. Um I at that time um I was really really uh well my my knowledge of news gaming news at that time was quite kind of anemic because I I deliberately stayed away from it hmm. um unless it was top games I was personally interested in. And my sister had, uh, she borrowed, she, she said, you need to play this game, right? So kind of very similar story to everybody else. And I was like, okay. Um, and she brought a PS4 down and I played I played it in front of my family. We we played the whole thing. Huh. Well, I, I played the whole thing in front of them. And basically, basically they were like, uh, they were watching me play and they were saying that it's basically like a movie. It's like a cinematic movie. Um, and they, they would ask me, are you playing The Last of Us tomorrow? You know, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was it was really strange. So my experience with it was, I was I was the I was a pro tag in this movie, and my family was watching me play uh, as a pro tag in this movie. It was so it, it was so strange. Um, but yeah, I I remember liking it. But uh, James has a little bit of a terrible memory, so um, like I I don't. Unless it's something that's really, really grabbed me, uh, my brain tends to throw things out. Mm-hmm. So when I played it this time around, um, I pretty much just forgot everything. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like playing it fresh. But I do remember liking the game when it first came out, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, but I don't think it hit me. A lot of things happened during that time period, and I don't think it hit me as hard as it did this second time around. Um, Interesting. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I think I know why. It's just uh, yeah, it hit me harder. Um, but yeah, I that was my experience with uh, with with being introduced to the game. It was my sister literally going, "You need to play this game," and I'm like, "Okay." And then my family watches me. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely unique. Uh, and finally, Adam, you picked this game for the poll. Um, so for some reason, you decided you wanted to tick off the list, or you needed to tick it off the list. What was your what kind of led to that decision? Uh, probably a few reasons. Um, the same as you, Si, I was uh, an Xbox guy. Um, I was never really a PlayStation person until somewhat recently. So I, although I did have plenty of opportunities to play the game, um, it's just one of those things I kind of never got round to, even though I had heard all of the hype, you know, like this is a, an amazing game. Like, like you say, so many places gave it a 10 out of 10. People were saying it's a... It's a masterpiece of mm. gaming. Um, and um, 
what I was, what I'm really surprised about is, is almost all of you guys were like, I played it last year for the first time. So like in our whole group, it looks like James was the only one that actually really yeah. played it around the time, which is crazy for for such a a, a big AAA. Well, I guess. Was it a AAA game at the time? I, I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, say it would so. be Naughty, Naughty AAA. Dragon. Yeah, absolutely. Uncharted, it must have been. Mm. Yeah, so well, we all have like that it. similar reluctance to right. um, to, mm. to the hype. Um, it's, it's funny because, um, Jordan, I, I actually sort of your guys' stories all combined together to make my story. Um, <laughs> like Cy, I, 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 was, I had an Xbox. I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. Like Jordan, I was wary of it being very cinematic and and sort of on rails. Um, I didn't get along very well with the Uncharted series. I found them to be set pieces, and almost all of the gameplay was just um, super repetitive. You know, Mm. climb this, climb that, shoot these guys. Um, do a couple puzzles and and kind of just spam that over and over again without really drawing my attention too much. So I've started all of the Uncharted games and I've never finished one of them. (laughs) Um, And we'll see that that's a trend with Norton. But yeah, it was just a case of, of not really having the hardware to play it at the time and then I'm terrible with new games anyway. Um, But I did get round to it finally because I had to. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's you, you need the kick, you need the excuse, um, right? And I and can that... blame all of the first eights, Ray listeners. You <laughs> bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, then Adam, uh, why don't you start? What was your general thoughts on the Last of Us? I think we're to start with gameplay. Perhaps it's probably the the first place to start because at the core of the game it is obviously built very cinematic and story driven, and we'll talk about that. But I always like to start with gameplay because that's really the core of the experience. Um, <laughs> did it live up to your expectation? I was about to say, but you were already going in kind of suspicious, and we all already kind of know, and you've hinted at it here. <laughs> um, you didn't quite get through the whole game, right? I did not get through the whole game, but I I did uh, I watched um, footage from where I stopped. So I I do mm-hmm. I did experience the whole story. I just didn't control it the entire way. Sort of like James's um, family, then, really. Exactly, <laughs> like James's family. <laughs> Uncle Adam sitting on the chair watching James play. Um, <laughs> The gameplay, it it suffered from the same thing that I had with Uncharted, Mm -hmm. and I I just felt it was very unfocused. It doesn't do anything really well. Um, And I'm going to prep before, because I'm probably going to rant a lot in this episode about this game, and I know that it's loved. So I'm just going to preface this entirely with, I came to this game seven years after it was released. I feel like I've played way better games in the meantime. And if I had played this seven years ago, I might have different opinions. Mm. Um, It didn't help that just before starting this, I had just finished the 
absolutely sublime god of war. So <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. Context is everything. Which has, god of War has a lot of parallels to this game. It's it's a, an adult and a child, and it's a journey. And honestly, God of War blew me away, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So <laughs> let's get back to Last of Us. Um, it bothers me that like Resident Evil 4 has better combat than Last of Us. Um, and Resident Evil 4 is like 2005. <laughs> um, it, aiming with a gun is horrible in this game. Um, enemies are just seem completely they they run around really randomly. It's kind of hard to draw your shots. Um, they will enemies will like completely ignore your companions, which really like mm. broke broke it for me. It's like I'm hiding because there's a clicker or whatever, and like Ellie or uh, Bill or whatever his name is is just like walking in front of them, like talking and stuff. And you're like, okay, I guess you, I guess you're a plot invisible. Um, it, it just, it didn't do anything that made me go, oh, wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, the controls, I just felt for the best, best word, just very generic, just felt like a very generic third person action game. Mm -hmm. I think... I wanted to be like, okay, right, so we'll, we'll go with Adams, because uh, I already know that you're feeling negative about it, and some of us have different opinions, but there are definitely parts there that I agree with. Um, <laughs> the plot armour of the other characters, as you say, is a little distracting and weird that Ellie can just run around in the middle of a firefight, but nonetheless, that's, that's just video game nonsense. Um, but, yeah, like I said, when I played it sort of around release briefly, I... I'd heard that this game was amazing, but to me, the gameplay was just very straightforward, um, and, I, and I failed to see what was so incredible about it. And to a certain extent, that is still sort of true. It is. It doesn't really do anything too new or anything really flashy, um, but what I do think it does is bring sort of a bunch of elements together and tie them together in a really, uh, really interesting way, because. Everything feels weighty. Everything is about patience. Everything is about vulnerability, which perhaps at the time, seven years ago when I played it, I didn't necessarily get that or even get far enough into the game to, to really understand. Maybe I just thought it was cheap and hard. Um, but this game deals a lot with vulnerability and restraint um, in, it, in its story as well as its gameplay. But, but since we're on gameplay, um, I felt like that was the sort of big thing that everything hung off of and it kind of kept me engaged because whilst there wasn't any wacky like gravity guns or, or, or any crazy gameplay like that portal devices or anything um what it just what it did was just go this is the simple like the, the simplistics of what you need from start to finish and it kind of kept me engaged by not going too crazy at all um james how did you feel about the sort of basics of the gameplay uh, I, so yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to separate it from my experience as just a god awful controller player. I am so bad <laughs> with controllers, right? But I did feel like as I progressed through the game that I did get better. 
and I, I became almost a god at the end of the game somehow. I'm not sure how, <laughs> how that happened, but I never missed a shot, and it was really, really fun. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they worked that in. Maybe I just improved, um, which is is uh, kind of cool. Uh, I just want to bring, bring folks' attention to the, the year this came out in, there was a lot of very similar games. I was just, like, in terms of gameplay, you have Bioshock Infinite, um, in terms of gameplay, you know, there was a very specific way you played it. Um, right. uh, there was Beyond Two Souls as well. Um, yeah, so there's like, but then you've got big bombastic kind of Grand Theft Auto Five came out that year, Assassin's Creed Four, Black Flag, Battlefield Four, right? And they were super, super action orientated. Um, I, I don't know if that kind of goes against the game when it came out, or that changed people's opinions of it when it came out um, because it was. A little bit different than a lot of the big, big, big titles that, that came out that year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the gameplay. It was fun. Um, I was very frustrated at the start. I was as, uh, yeah, as Adam was saying, I was very frustrated with the companions uh, constantly. Except James gets immersed into a game, so James is going, "Would you get out of the way? Get out of the way! Get out of the way!" You know, um, and they'd just be standing in the doorway while there's a clicker running at me, and because Ellie's in that doorway, I get my head bitten off, mm. right? And it was that was pretty frustrating. Um, I hope they they fixed that in part two. Um, companions is always a strange thing uh, to work on. I haven't played God of War, so I don't know how good that game is with the companion system, but like, it's always seems to be a problem. It's like hair in games. They can never get it right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but uh, gameplay, I, I did feel like I, I progressed through the game. I got better. Um, we'll talk about like kind of UI and stuff later on, because I think that's my biggest gripe with right. the game. Interesting. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, oh, there's certain things I like and there's certain things I, I, I greatly dislike. Um, but gameplay, yeah, I got on with it. I got better. And I like that in a game. You know, I'm a Dark Souls vet. I like I like mm, it when I start the game again. and I'm trash. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. and then I keep trying and then I progress and I see myself improve. And that's what I like. Uh, and The Last of Us did that with me. Right. Yes, exactly. I definitely agree with that. I think the overcoming of a trial where you failed several times is... is is prevalent in this and it does have that rewarding feeling of finally escaping a horde of enemies or, or in some case uh just figuring out how to wipe them all out one by one um jordan how do you yeah. feel about the the overall gameplay arc well i would uh i would i would give response to begin with to start with uh yeah the actual companions and the companion ai mm -hmm. Uh, it, it, it is always difficult to to manage something like this. Uh, you know, any game function is susceptible to glitches, and every game does have glitches. Um, so you you have to measure just how much they impact on your experience. Uh, that said, with with AI partners in particular, it has always marred video games. It's always been a very tough thing to overcome and make both believable and um, competent. Now, I personally think that the AI partners actually, for for what they're being given, uh, perform pretty well. I I had that moment, uh, as as the rest of you had, where you you have that moment where Ellie does end up going ahead of you in, in you know in a in a moment, or maybe perhaps you know gets quite close to a guard in in a way that you know looks quite funny because it's just sort of like oh. You know, it's it's immersion's broken and all that, but mm -hmm. 
the thing was this these were things that I was picking apart about mm. the game back when I wasn't playing it um in 2013 I was looking at it and just saying yeah look at it it's not so smart look at it it's they got the AI characters running about like headless chickens the thing is that was one moment and it was like huh. but mm. I had about uh well you know games about 10 hours or so so I had a 10 hour experience largely with AI characters in fact there's very few points in the game where you don't have an AI character walking around with you. I think it's a big achievement to be able to play a game that can have a character around like that for pretty much the whole time and not be as great a liability. I understand that, you know, obviously some hangups do happen, but I think there is a certain limit, at least at the time that this game was made, for uh, how far you could go with uh, pathfinding for AI and actually being able to marry that up with a, a player who is an individual thinker who is quite possibly going in a completely different direction at a split-second notice that the AI can't necessarily, not, can't necessarily catch up with. But I found them to not be annoying, because I've, I've found AI characters very annoying in the past. Um, they're either useless or get in the way or become too much of a liability that they... They often trigger a game over in, in some instance. Um, I, I, what I found with the AI characters in this game is that they do hold back. Um, they, they are more inclined to kind of let you go ahead and lead the way, um, but they'll kind of close in, uh, you know, on, on sections where it is intended to be something of a of a of a danger situation. Mm. Um, so I, I didn't really kind of hold hold too much against that, but I, I will take up the uh, the same points. Um, you know, as has already been mentioned about the things like the gunplay, I'm not a fan of the gunplay. I, I, I you know, it's it's it was not special then, and it, it it certainly isn't special now. Not that it, not that I would necessarily say that they were going out of their way to make the gunplay special. It did not. It was not the standout point yeah. in the in the demonstration at E3. Um, it feels very Uncharted like, but Uncharted you can kind of. Uh, you can forgive for it because it has hip fire. Um, I, I, I don't, I've never liked the circle reticles for, for pistols in, in Naughty Dog games and, and they just love them. So I, I guess that's just me, but uh, the gunplay tried to avoid it where I could, to be quite honest. Wow. Nice. But actually I really loved the melee combat. The melee combat is not some massively refined aspect of the game. Yeah, I, my my friend immediately asked me after I finished the game what I thought of it. You know, he hasn't played it either. We both completely dodged it. And I, I, you know, I texted him and I said, "Really enjoyable combat." You know, very, very enjoyable. And I thought to myself, now what does that mean? Because to me, hmm. I know what that means. I've just experienced it. But to me and my friend, when we technically talk about great combat, we're talking about examples that are rather technical, like like your Dark Souls or your Vanquish or something like that. Where there's a there's a whole multi-layer situation there. This was just the fact that I liked it how it felt. Mm. Uh, I like the fact that uh, Joel can just smack the crap out of just about everybody. Um, it, it, it's frantic, um, and it's it, it's full of adrenaline. Mm. Um, and your your partner typically gets involved. You know, it's you know when those moments happen where your AI character does hit all the right notes and you've got someone like Ellie who's picking up a brick or a bottle um, 
or she's like restraining somebody, or she does pull out a gun and, and, and offers cover fire. It, it really clicks well with, with what the game is supposed to be, which is a struggle. The whole game is about struggle. Um, and so it, it complements it very well. Um, so I, I, would, I would say overall, like the, the gameplay isn't necessarily this shining beacon of sort of innovation, but more of uh, picking and choosing what was more suitable for the, the story and the characters and the environment that you were working with. And I, I thought that they complemented them well without necessarily having to reinvent the wheel. Um, I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into uh, enemies and enemy variety, but right. uh, if, <laughs> if I can bring up one thing that is, is a gripe. Um, so, so Neil Druckmann you know, designed this, well, he directed this game as well. I have a theory that he may have uh, some kind of ladder-related trauma in his past. Uh, and, and I think he's trying to work it through with this game because there are so many ladder segments. An incredible amount of ladder segments and pallet segments and shutter it's, segments. It's the They're, uncharted climbing segments, but they were like, "What's modern day?" Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, at at the time that the, the, the you know the, I think it was like the second demo came out, and it, and it showed Joel, you know, using, you know, just just moving a ladder from one side to the other side, and everyone was really hyped about the game at the time. So I was making fun of people. I was like, oh, "You're getting so excited about a game all about ladders. You might as well call it the ladders of use." And now I look back and I say, "That's a really." terrible pun you know just <laughs> leave that in the past but no I, I i would say that those are points which were you know pretty lame the the latter segment does at least have some kind of payoff right towards the end in in one particular character moment uh where where you and the character kind of link up and that you're expecting ellie to show up and do the latter thing and, and she doesn't because she's she's upset about an event that's happened but the rest of it is inexcusable. There's just so many segments of it that just don't need to be there because as environmental puzzles, they're incredibly simple. Mm. Um, I could abide it because I like so much about the rest of the game, but if you were not necessarily hooked in those, in those ways, those things get very tiring. This is what I like about this, is that I don't even think about stuff like that. You, you just picked up on something that I hadn't thought about even slightly, but yeah, you're, you're so right. It, it, it was very repetitive and it was pretty lazy. Um, so, yeah, very odd, very odd. But there you go, uh, Steve. How did you feel about the sort of general gameplay? So, obviously, as I've established, I was late to the party bus on this one, right? So, I've I've sampled a fair few games in the meantime, and as a result, I was seeing DNA as we say of its successors, a fair bit, and maybe a few of its uh, we, competing counterparts on its. Uh, the console, the Xbox, as opposed to the PS3. So it's kind of a collage. It feels like um, the human versus human gunplay feels like a very uh, mediocre Gears of War. Like, you know, unless you're going to have, as Jordan rightly said, very satisfying when you're just beating the ever-loving crap out of some villain, allegedly a villain anyway, depending on how you look at things, um, with Joel's meaty bare hands. But then when it... Um, uh, yeah, I haven't played Uncharted, by the way. Just thought I'd preface this, because uh, I know people have compared that. Mm -hmm. Right, the skulking around in the dark, hiding from the Cordyceps infected and stuff, that reminded me of Revelations 2, Resident Evil Revelations 2, and the whole <laughs> scrambling yeah. for supplies did. 
um, obviously, instead of Natalia's seeing things through walls, you've got like, you know, super sonar hearing. So it's it, that part is probably the standout for me where the whole, like, you know, you have to hear where they are and skulk around and craft the essential gear you need, which is shivs, always shivs. If you can make shivs, make shivs um, because goddamn clickers, right? Mm. Yeah. You know, um, but the, the actual traversal of the environment is kind of like, it feels like you're just like Jordan said, you're moving planks, you're lifting ladders just to see this next like sweeping vista. There's um, normally there'll be some kind of set piece involved where you're like, Oh no, the train is flooding or something or whatever. It's never the real thing. Like There's like, I think one or two pallet puzzles and the rest is just moving ladders or moving planks. And then look at the sweeping vista of this desiccated city covered in green, which is, it, it's, it's terrible when I put it that way, but it's actually really, really the the, the stealth gameplay, the the finding supply stuff reminds me of Resi. Mm. The gunplay reminds me of Gears of War, and I never really, I never really liked it in that either. So, uh, yeah, it, it feels like a game of many shades, which you know, as a whole, is adequate. But I, I think a lot of us aren't coming to Last of Us for the gameplay. At least I, I get that feeling. Right. That's why most people it sticks with them. Yeah. Certainly. Um, it's worth saying, funnily enough, I think uh, I think this is correct. Some of you know, listeners may have to just double-check this one. I'm sure I've heard that uh, the either Revelations 2 or the game that Revelations 2 was before um, it became a Resident Evil game because it started off as its own thing, mm. yeah, was the idea of Capcom looking at the success of The Last of Us and wanting an open-world, crafty kind of horror game. So you're on the money there because that was definitely... As far as I'm aware, was some kind of influence in that project. So there you go. Um, so I remember reading articles at the time that Revelations 2 kind of got docked a few points from reviewers because they're like, it's, it's like The Last of Us, but mm. Resident Evil, as if that's some kind of bad thing, you know. But mm. I don't think I, I don't think it is that strong of a connection. I can see what you're saying, but I don't really think it's you know like a hackneyed copy version. But there you go. yeah, no. But you got you got to remember how people go of and writing articles and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, the big thing is successful, so let's knock everything, for, you know. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, the stealth is is the best part for me, um, fighting the, the human enemies and, yeah, the, the, the monstrous infected enemies. They're ostensibly kind of the same thing, really, but they do feel completely different. And most of the time, uh, the human ones are a bit hit or miss, I'll put it that way. And I felt like fighting the infected was always fun and always pretty scary. Um They've got the clickers themselves have that one hit kill move. So that sort of plays into what we were saying about sort of trying and trying again to get it right. And, Can I just uh, jump in one second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of immersion breaking AI, right? We have all died to a clicker. I'm sure we've all died to a clicker at least once. Being generous at least once. Um, why is it that it's a one hit kill to a player? But for some reason, <laughs> if you are non-player Ellie or Bill or Teus, you know, they can uh, they can struggle with the damn thing, and uh, they they wait for you to shove it off. Now, what, the only way a player can do that is if they've got a shiv, which is valuable for killing them, not for, for you know. And you waste it. And uh, I know this is petty. It's just it annoys me when the the player gets punished with instant death. Well, the AI can go, yeah, it's all right. Just struggle for a bit. It's like <laughs> if in RE five, Sheva can like restrain the chainsaw blade with a bare hands or something. It feels like nah, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. If that, if I die in one hit, they die in one hit. Maybe they should have uh, implemented like a 
like a five to ten second sort of moment if you're an AI character and get over there. Mm. Hashtag Steve is salty. It's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird sort of tightrope there because it it kind of you need something where it feels immersive enough that you know a clicker getting even relatively close to you is terrifying uh, because you know that on the other side of that is a one hit kill and a, and a game over. Um, but yeah, you don't. You also don't want it to be so cheap that it gets kind of annoying. But I I know what you mean because I I did feel that that was kind of cheap. You know, especially if you're just sort of like you know if you're playing on easy or normal or something like that, and all of a sudden you're getting a one hit kill, you're probably going to feel that you're being cheaped out because you're still ultimately getting uh, the same circumstance that you would even if you were playing up to the difficulty level of grounded. Yeah. So I can understand. Is it, it you know it's a it's a bit jarring. I mean, there's certain concessions you have to make. If if you have an AI character who is um, uh, being captured by an infected or you know a human, and they're being restrained, you could hit them both with a shotgun blast, but only one of them's going down. Mm. And I, I I had to kind of you know realize that from early on. Oh, I don't need that kind of level of accuracy. I was I was mm. obviously I was obviously still having those flashbacks to r the end of Resident Evil Three, where sometimes. Sometimes you're you're able to hit Nikolai perfectly fine, and then sometimes the cutscene triggers, and you know you you lose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think just, uh, like it makes me mad because like Joel is this big burly man who can literally beat people to death with his bare he's hands. He's not that big and burly. Uh, yeah, but he can beat people to death around. with his bare hands, <laughs> and he that's true. Right to a cricket every time, whereas <laughs> Ellie. <laughs> Ellie is like half his size, and she's when she's in the player's hands, she's not so lucky. But you know, AI Ellie can restrain and like hold off this liquor, uh, liquor, clicker for so long. And then there's Bill, the cheap son of a, he can just literally just no, nah, no, nah, mate, clicker is denied. Flips it round, boots it, and that's like, <laughs> where's my cool move where I can boot a clicker? I'm just is, is I think there's any alternative to that? Because you either, you even make you even make the clicker easier on the player. Or harsher on the AI um, to, I was to gonna, kind of disbalance it. And I say the only balancing thing you can do is make a shiv, and I don't even know if you can do it early on, but you can eventually use shivs to like get clickers off of you. Yeah, but yeah, but you obviously you, you can need always it. use the shivs to to defend Kill them. yourselves again. And you always yeah. need to defend yourself as well, right? And um, you you won't necessarily obviously have that for every segment, uh, like when you're playing Ellie uh, later on in the game. You, I don't believe you have shivs at that point. Um, you're, you're very limited on your inventory in that segment. So, yeah, that is like the only kind of concession. I'm just wondering if you know, if you were to make uh, clickers easy to kind of you know push up, say turn it into some kind of button mash QTE as they do for other characters, does it diminish the effect of the clickers too much because they, they, they're suddenly not this one-hit kill merchant? Or is the fact that they're one-hit kill already cheap and so it, it's kind of a bit of a cheat anyway see i would just have the, the ai not be a participant in the situation if i could if you can avoid it like they hang back intentionally for you to clear the clickers out or make a path mm. or player that the player scurries through and the ai just like you know magically scurries behind them you know and gets the you know rather than them being a a competitor on the field that literally just draws aggro and then does nothing else because uh, it's a stealth sequence anyway. Having more things muddling up a stealth sequence just seems like a bad idea. Just take a leaf out of Resident Evil 4's book and have Ellie hide in a big bin or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, while you do the hard section, and then you, like, whistle her out. Yeah. So, like that. so that was what they were 
that's what they had to do for the uh, the initial segment um, with the the sort of the, the slanted skyscraper segment, mm-hmm. very very close to the beginning. Uh, you know where you do have Ellie and Tess sort of sit back, Hang as back you, yeah, yeah, as you as you go down to the lower level, um, be, because at that at that point they hadn't properly implemented the uh, the AI partners in the way that they wanted in those kind of situations. So it's just the player on their own. Um, and if they hadn't decided that they wanted to take the AI partners as far as they were going to, then that, that probably was what was going to be the, the case. Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I like that they they do hang back. Um, but th- obviously there's there's some moments where, you know, it kind of helps. I mean, they're not always, uh, they're not always in peril. Sometimes they, they do help you out. Like, you know, they're not necessarily where the focus of the fight is and they can actually kind of throw... Uh, you know, bottles and and bricks, or obviously have weapons of their own. But I know, I mean, it's the, it's it's that extra liability. I mean, versus like regular infected and versus humans later on, that you know, nowhere near as irritating and immersion breaking. It's just it's it's purely me being salty that clickers get an extra, you know, they get an extra go on clickers, whereas I don't get that luxury. Uh, <laughs> that okay. clicker uh, double standards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've, Let's not make any bare bones about it. Uh, so, 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 listeners, understand. Um, I haven't played on the, you know, the harder difficulty levels. Um, like, especially, I haven't played on grounded or anything like that. So, I don't know if the if the window of time or the or the health bar that AI partners get in those situations is any shorter. Hmm. Um, but I'd be interested to know if it was. I imagine it is. I imagine they would have tweaked something like that because you have you have the uh, the sniper segment in the house. And I right. would say that yeah. they're, they're they're pretty um, pretty lenient with that when you're on the easier uh, difficulties. But I imagine that would be pretty harsh um, if you were playing on the on the you know, on the grounded difficulty, um, or I guess anything in between. Funnily enough, I didn't actually know that grounded was one of the difficulty names. Um, which, funnily enough, is on my notes. Um, I agree that the the gunplay isn't particularly special, but I do like that. Um, you mentioned it, Jordan, I think, that weapons have sort of like stopping power, really. They actually, you know, they feel punchy. It feels good to use them. Same with the melee as well, actually. It's really, uh, yeah, it just feels really solid and purposeful. The the, the one-hit kills, I, <laughs> I can see where you're coming from in terms of, like, it doesn't really make any logical sense. The skyscraper part, funnily enough, is sort of the bit that sticks out in the head uh, the most for me. I, I just really enjoyed that whole bit, especially because... I don't think it's the first time you have to fight the clickers, but it, it's pretty early on. Um, so, sort of learning how to overcome them, uh, it, it kind of felt weirdly like an old school NES game for me. You just try and try again until you get it right, um, because the stealth in this game does it does mean something. Usually, with stealth games with stealth implemented, I always sort of get a bit frustrated, I'll get about like 30% of the way through stealthing a section and it'll all go wrong and then I'll just have to fight them off normally and that, that's pretty much how all of my stealth experiences go in video games. Every every game, especially cover shooters like this, they give you the, the bottles and the bricks to distract. I never, never use them. In this, it's completely necessary um, mm. to, to, to throw something and alert some... I love doing the sort of thing where you would alert a bunch of infected into one corner uh, and then throw a Molotov in there and sprint. Um, I felt like it was it was tied together quite well. It's not too crazy, which I like. 
you know, Gears of War is another example of a sort of cover-based shooter. The, the, the first weapon you get, the key weapon of the whole game is a bladed, fully automatic, you know, insanity <laughs> rifle. In this, you know, the super weapon of the game, the thing you pick up last that I don't think you can upgrade at all, maybe in New Game Plus, I don't know, but you get a regular old assault rifle. That's the most powerful gun. It does not yeah. overpower you, and I, I, I kind of like that. I, I enjoyed it as a different turn of pace. Maybe, again, context for me, coming at it from where I was. Uh, I do think that it, it it's not anything special, but in a way that actually works for it because it puts the focus elsewhere. Um, yeah, also, absolutely. as part of the gameplay, you've got all the... You, uh, so I think Steve mentioned it, sort of exploring the world a little bit. Um, you've got picking stuff up. You've got to pick up all these um, scraps and stuff to upgrade weapons and to build your shivs. Uh, Molotovs, smoke bombs, all that kind of stuff. I actually mostly enjoyed that as well. Um, it, it gives you something to do during the slower part of the game, although later on it does it does drag a bit where you're, you're just continually checking every drawer and stuff. Um, I do feel like it was necessary because of difficulty and because, <laughs> funnily enough, in a weird kind of way, and maybe this is one reason why I won the poll, uh, The Last of Us kind of has some sort of air of survival horror in it. You know, ammo is not everywhere. You need to use everything at your disposal. So it, it, it made me want to go around picking up a bunch of stuff, exploring every house and, and all that stuff. So I, I enjoyed that. But yeah, it's strange because it's unremarkable. But yeah, I think that's what, that's what totally worked for it. And now, reading Looting Note from The Last of Us, Thomas, a.k.a. Nemesis, who you can find on Twitter at N3MESIS underscore T underscore type. Another night, another shooting. I could see the muzzle flashes coming from Carson's windows. I stayed up the entire night with the whole family in one room. I doubt anybody got any sleep. It's only a matter of time before the looters trying to break into our house. We have to get out of here. That skinny man approached us again. He traded more of his bullets for some of our food. He offered us to join him in his hideout. He says it's secure, and more importantly, hidden. Easily defendable is how he described it. He said the only reason he trusts me is because I have kids. I don't think we can stay here anymore. He seems like a trustworthy guy. I'm going to suggest to everyone tomorrow that we take him up on his offer. To close out gameplay before we move on to story, Adam, do you have any any final final points on gameplay from your end? Because you've got obviously the most starkly different perspective on this one. <laughs> um, no, like I said before, the word that just comes to mind for me, and and again, I feel like this is because I'm playing it seven years later. Is it just felt very very generic to me? Mm-hmm. Um, gameplay wise, there was not one thing where I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Even the stealth, I know that you liked it, Cy, but for me, the stealth was just a lesson in, in boredom. Like you had to wait so long for some things, you know, and it was just a case of like waiting for everything to line up. And I get maybe some people enjoy that, but as I don't have a ton of time for gaming, I didn't mm. want to be sitting like behind a crate for ten minutes waiting for the, you know the, the fast ones to go over here and the the, the clicker to go over there kind of 
at random, um, even using bottles and stuff. It, and, and that was another thing that just seems, a lot of it so much seems lifted from other games, you know. Yeah. The yeah. throw a bottle and stuff is pretty played out by now. Um, it's funny because that, that like... stuff's in Uncharted, which is a completely like different style of game to yeah. me. That's an example of something where I the game it, really I didn't need it. I think it's more at home in Last of Us. Yes, yeah. Um, I would agree with that. Um, the crafting annoyed me because one of the harder things I found to, were the, the cloth strips like the to make Molotovs because they're so useful. Mm. But there is so much cloth in this game. Every enemy is covered in clothes. Like <laughs> It was like, I, there's so much cloth I could be using for, for Molotovs, but I have to hope to find strips of cloth in the environment. Mm. Um, which is just a stupid nitpick, but it's one of those things. I think there's a lot of immersion breaking for me in this game, which is why I didn't like it. Right. For example, like the cities are, are, are used, um, like Steve said before, to give you these kind of like future shock kind of vistas. Like the, mm. the vegetation's retaken the city, but the suburbs were so much more populated with enemies than the city was, and that doesn't make sense. Like, the city should be teeming with uh, infected people. In um, theory, yeah. Especially, especially as it doesn't... The virus, uh, unlike Resident Evil, which is a good explanation, is that the zombies are eating flesh. So as people would leave the cities to get into more, you know, suburban or wilderness areas, the zombies would eventually follow because that's the food source. You go where your food is. Mm. But at no point is it, are you told that the infected, they don't eat people. That's not their sustenance. At least that's not inferred, I don't think. They do. They do eat people. Oh, Just to do. chime in. Yeah. Uh, not okay. not willingly, not willingly. There's a harrowing clip I remember seeing online of literally a woman crying her eyes out as she's eating somebody. So they oh kind of God. they're kind of half aware. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's lovely in that not really kind of way. It's That's like what I was like with vegetables as a kid. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Except now you are the vegetables and you're eating the meat. <laughs> I, I would I, I would uh, chuck in a bit of a, a counterpoint there. I, I mean, I have not really read the the notes in the game I, you know i kind of played it at a bit of a, a a brisk pace which is why actually i abandoned using stealth quite early on and decided <laughs> to just go with 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 dirty combat if i had more time with it which i certainly do now um i would uh, i would i would go through the stealth route i think they're both very viable and you don't have to necessarily mix it up you can do them as separate things but as far as the actual environment goes uh, yeah there's only a certain amount of uh, uh, world building and storytelling through the environment that you can kind of you can you can kind of take but obviously from the from the beginning of the game we know that it, it very early on uh whether it's agencies whether it's the police whether it's the military um action is being taken that is quite severe um if you even seem like you've been bitten uh, you're getting shot and that was that was right at the point you know as society was starting to collapse you know when you know, patients were running out of hospitals and pulling people out of cars and biting their necks out. 
so we already know from from that point obviously when it when the game starts it's i believe it's set in 2013 and obviously i don't know how much time is there is in between i think it's maybe like a 20 year gap or something like yeah, that I think so. years. 15 15 years yep. so already from the beginning you know that society at the at the very beginning is is about to you know collapse and and everybody's just about ready to shoot anybody that has uh, any signs of infection so there wasn't much hope and and also you kind of obviously have to ask the question of well once you know once they get to um once they get to the city um it's it, it's pretty grim in terms of sort of landscape because you've got massive holes in in the ground you've got skyscrapers practically on their side how does that happen uh yeah. you know what exact what exactly has happened here uh, and and you you know without me necessarily knowing all of the other information which i'm sure it's out there um on on some wikis and stuff like that my guess would be that we're talking about a bit of a a raccoon city sort of situation where that they might have actually dropped bombs on on a particular place and and a city would be um the greater target there um because it's got the density of of population greater density of infected I don't, honestly, I'm just pulling this out as a, uh, out of thin air, as a, as a counter argument to it. But that was kind of my assumption when I was going through the game that some pretty extreme things have hap ha had to happen in the, uh, in the period of time for any of this to occur and for there to be so few people um, in, in society left. So, uh, hmm. yeah, that's, that's how I took it. Well, we are definitely moving in the direction of story. <clears throat> so uh, let's talk about the story, which was a big selling point of the game um, on the lead up to its release and at its release and, you know, following its release was, was talked about as a big story, uh, focused, driven kind of game. Um, obviously, we're going to talk spoilers. We, all, we always do um, when we're talking about video games in general. Um, so if you, for some reason, haven't played The Last of Us and you're listening to this, uh, fair warning, perhaps now more than ever, as it's a very story-driven game that we will probably be getting into spoilers, I would imagine. Um, so, uh, Adam, since this is this is your your choice of game, I'm going to throw it back to you again. What did you think of the setup for Last of Us? What did you think of sort of getting into the meat and potatoes of it? Obviously, the game starts with um, a pretty a pretty bold little prologue before it really kicks off. What did you think of the general setup of the game? Uh, the prologue gave me a lot of hope. I, I think that was a very um, well-paced uh, little scene, and it was quite a gut. Obviously, I didn't expect, you know, the, the death that happens to happen. You, you, you're kind of used to these games where, where kids don't normally, you know, bite mm. it. So um, I thought that was good, and that really set me up to be interested in the story. But honestly, you know, this is probably where I'll draw the most amount of flag, but I, I just felt the story... I understand the emotional beats of the story, but it didn't feel like... Any, like, it. it's not bad, but be, after being told 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, this mm. game is a masterpiece, it just felt like it fell so short from that for me. Like, there's a lot of inconsistencies or plot holes almost... Um, Joel is not a likable character. I guess right. I don't think he's supposed to be, but 
I mean, at the beginning, or, or not at the beginning, I guess, you know, obviously he, he's a loving father and he turns very quickly to a, a, just a murderer. Before anything even goes wrong, you're like executing guys for selling your guns to someone else. You yeah. know, that's like a setup of being like, oh, hey, these aren't good people. And, and, and throughout the game, he, he basically is like, I'm not interested in this kid. He kind of does a quick 180 at one point. Again, just for plot purposes of being like, I care now. Um, it, a lot of it felt forced to me. You know, there was... Yeah, I, I don't know. It was just... None of the characters seemed to really evolve much for me. Um, it was kind of people slotted in when you needed them. I was upset that Tess, who I felt had a lot of character to her, she had points where she was sad, angry, she wanted to help, she wanted to get revenge on people. She had a lot of character. Uh, I felt like her death was very cheap because she's like, I'm going to buy you some time, and immediately she buys you no time. <laughs> um, she dies and the guys are already in the building and you have to do a stealth section already. So you're like, oh, you didn't really help me out at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wasn't overly impressed. I, I Honestly, I felt it was a serviceable story. I felt it was pretty well written, the dialogue at least, you know, regardless of characters being likable or not. Um, but I wasn't blown away. And again, I had just come off the back of God of War, which I felt was a really fantastic um, well written game so maybe that didn't help <laughs> um, yeah I mean yeah, it just... like we said context is is very important in these things um, I've got a few notes similar really to be honest that maybe it's a, it's a retrospective thing but I didn't think that it was quite as powerful as everyone made it out to be either um, I, I enjoyed it I thought it was solid but I don't know if I really connected with that many of the characters um I agree. I don't. I don't think Joel was particularly likable, um, and I think Tess's death was sort of wasted because obviously what they're intending to do is um, have her death have an effect on him as the lead. But I thought it just doesn't. It's bit, it's, it doesn't. It doesn't. It feels. He's kind of just like you're dead. Okay. Yeah, it feels very strange. Like you say, the 180. After that, I think it does get better. Um, I do like the interactions between him and Ellie, and it does feel like he slowly warms up to her. Uh, and and the, the sort of like she will ask him things or, or talk to him about his previous life and he doesn't want to talk about it and eventually you get there and I thought that that was done quite well but in the beginning he just he was very he was very bland to me and yeah it, it's a, it, it's such an obvious writing trick but I didn't feel like it paid off this time it felt a little bit boring um, just for me so so I I, I do agree with that. Um, but overall, though, it was solid. I do like the, the setting. Um, I like the pace in its own way. It's like the gameplay. It's not overly bombastic. Uh, yeah, I would all. say I like, really like the setting as well. You know, For all I don't like about the game, mm. mostly that was, for me, mostly it was in-game experience. I actually enjoyed it more just watching the playthrough. Mm. Uh, and um you make this journey um, across, you know, the country, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel particularly video gamey in the sense that you're going from mission to mission to mission, and things are getting crazier and crazier. Um, as you play it, it, 
it doesn't amp up at a crazy speed, which I actually, I kind of liked, especially because at the end you look back and you do go, oh, that was kind of a journey, but it wasn't like this crazy, and again, context, uh, following up from the Uncharted games, um, you can talk about this game being a little bit set PC at time, but compared to Uncharted, it's not, you know, nothing happens. <laughs> well, obviously yeah, they are completely different. Less, yeah, it's way less set PC. It has, it has set pieces, but they're generally on a smaller scale. Yes, yeah. And obviously they're completely different games, and I don't mean right. to compare them, One say one's better than the other, but um, but having played the first three Uncharted games, I, I appreciated that they had done something different with it. Um, James, how did you feel about the, the setup, the story, the characters, and all, and all that gubbins? Okay, so I'm going to disagree with both of you. The beginning Go for of this it. Game and the first quarter of this game, for me, is very good. Uh, um, first of all, I want to say trigger warning, just in case we talk, because this game is sure. full of stuff. But I mean, if you're here, then you probably know that already. Um, but in terms of uh, Joel, uh, he, at the beginning, you know, we've discussed this. He's a very uh, kind of, you know, he's a cool dad. He's a happy-go-lucky dad. He's got his daughter. Everything's going kind of okay. Um, a little bit of drama there. But, you know, uh, just in general, everything's okay, right? Well, we're skipping 20 years later. In those 20 years, so much has happened psychologically to Joel, right? He's had 20 years to think and get, oh, we don't want to say get over, because psychologically you can't get over that kind of trauma, mm -hmm. not without professional help or some kind of help or support circle. And he didn't really have that, not in a post-apocalyptic world, right? So his reaction to Tess dying, his reaction to pretty much everything in the, court of this, court, the first quarter of this game, I completely got. Because every time, because he must have, this is the way I, I thought of it. And this is why I, every time he, like his daughter was brought up. What was his daughter's name again? Was it Sarah? Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Every time she was brought up, he'd be like, don't want to talk about it. And then when he's, you know, when I heard that, I was like, right, this guy is going through so much trauma. He's going through so much. He doesn't, he doesn't want to address it in any way. Right. He shuts you know? it down entirely. Yeah, he's like it's he's like, like burying it inside for sure. Yeah, and it's like you know, I mean, uh, to, to, a, to a certain extent, I think we all know to on a smaller scale what that's like. And I connected with him when it came to that, um, and I connected with him anyway because I had daddy issues, so I completely connected <laughs> with him, right? And you know, I think that's 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 why I really like the beginning of the game. Um, mm. That's it. just to defend them a little but, bit. But, but no, um, to be fair, but he's I, a cold-blooded murderer. <laughs> I <laughs> well, do. I think I get it though. I, I completely get why he's a cold-blooded murderer because he's give, he he's like right. Well, I'm just an animal now. We're mm. all just animals. We're all just doing our thing. We're do just trying to survive. Do. Yeah, I, I to yeah, right down like, the middle there. I I do agree. His character doesn't make sense. Totally, absolutely. For yes. the situation, I just think Tess's death. Uh, you know, meant to. You basically it's a plot device. It's it's for him to change his mind about yeah. Ellie uh, from being completely disinterested in anything to do with her to apparently now we're going on on a crazy adventure across the states. I just thought it was a very odd thing, but for the most part, yeah, I I agree with you. His character does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying as well. But like, I didn't actually realize until Adam said it. But yeah, she she does say, "I'm gonna buy you some time," and then literally <laughs> doesn't. I mean, she she buys you about ten seconds, 
of time um, while you go upstairs. And well, that's yeah, about that's it. Joel as well. Um, She's like, I'm going to buy you some time. And his response is to go up on the balcony above her and just listen to her die. <laughs> well, I've made, I mean, there's, there's probably a ton of fanfic out there, right? I, my, like, kind of fanfic with that quiz we did, which is very, you know, which was based on the Cordyceps virus, right? And The Last of Us. Mm. And it's, it's like, okay, well, maybe it happened naturally, but I would like to know that. I would like I to know... To that effect, but don't quote me on it. Okay. Well that's, that, that's, well, that's well, that's that's the problem, isn't it? Is that we don't know for sure. It's like uh, there were, you know, I mean, even now in these in these current times, we know where the source was. We know where it came from. Hmm. We you know, know you that know where it's something... an airborne thing, but it also spread through bites, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 uh it, it, it I just I just wanted a bit more origins about it. In terms of character development, I cared for every single one of them other than Sam. <laughs> um when Sam the Sam and Henry section came along, um oh man, I think I think it's because I was super into like I was I was in the, the mind space of Joel and I was just angry at him. Hmm. Right. Is it Sam or Henry, the Henry, the, the older brother? Henry's the older brother. Henry, sorry, Henry, not Sam. Sorry, Sam. Um, but Henry, uh, I was so mad at him, but I think that's because of Joel. It's because of what happened with Joel during right. that scene. Him just leaving him behind and then just like not wanting to talk about it, just saying, Oh, let's just carry on. You know, you it's mean like it's no, what no. Joel would have done. Yeah, but the thing is, is like Henry was giving out this kind of very <laughs> like Henry was giving out this very uh, uppity kind of beat attitude, like, and seemed to be quite green behind the ears when it came to this kind of stuff. And I wasn't expecting that, right? And then he he does what he does, and I was like, okay, yeah, you completely deserve the punch to the face by Joel. But and then you hear him in the distance say like some really really crappy stuff, like, do we trust them? Do we trust what? Mm. Do 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 we trust Joel and Ellie? You just left them. I didn't get that bit. That, that think, was a problem. I think Joel uh, is way worse than Henry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so true. much worse. He's he's been just killing humans, not left, right, and center. Like he's he well, would have I mean, left that, that... Henry and Sam in a heartbeat. He would have used them as a ten-second diversion to be in Henry's <laughs> boots. Uh, this was obviously his plan to to go through that Outlook post, and he said it would be no problem to be able to get through there. And yeah. his his plan went to crap, and you know he obviously was shell shocked from that, and just and just skipped out. Um, and at this point, they're not necessarily um, the most familiar of of allies. They've what, like known each other about a day or something like that. Um, yeah, I I think it's um, it's pretty it's pretty cheap, but uh, I think that's a a nature of theming to to do with this game, right? Totally. Um, that a, a lot of a lot of lost humanity. Um, mm. This um this whole section, I, I don't know. I almost I wouldn't believe this is deliberate since this game came out in twenty thirteen. Um, it was very The Walking Dead uh, to me because obviously that had been on TV for a few years and it has a lot of that kind of stuff in it. You know, who do you trust? And also, who really should trust you? Everybody's out for their themselves kind of thing. So right. Yeah, encountering another survivor, you kind of knew that it was all going to go very wrong very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I like I I 
I like that. That was that was my only regret. But I think it's because I was super into. The, I was super behind Joel at that point. Fair enough. You know, and I was in his mind space, and I think that's why I, you know, and I really cared for Ellie at that point as well. Mm. I was like, how dare, how dare you? <laughs> you know, um, but then like when that when that awful tragic section was over. I mean, they're all pretty tragic, but when that that section was over. Um, yeah, it started to ramp up a bit, and I actually, I, I was, I was, I was enjoying it more and more and more, and I was getting into it, the story, and I like the beats, I like them. Um, mm. I, th- I feel like my own gameplay kind of slowed down the game a little bit because uh, I got lost and then panicked. Um, I do that all the time, right? But like, so, but that—that's the thing is that that's what you're meant to do in this game. You're meant mm. to get lost and panic. You know that that bit in the in the little village where it's just a blizzard. It's meant to discombobulate you and yeah. confuse you, and it and it did with me. Um, I was getting so frustrated by that bit, but I eventually got through it. Uh, yeah, and like with the end with uh, with Ellie, um, you know, with them. I, do you know what a bit I really liked actually? Uh, I I think because I streamed it as well. Yeah, I was I waiting went, for this. I, yeah, I went. Hmm, that's actually pretty cool because i didn't notice that before and i'll talk about that in a second but um the way that they uh treat joel like he's just a donkey you know when they get to the firefly headquarters uh, but what i mean by that is like it, like normally with a game when it comes to story writing they'll go um oh joel this man and then they'll give like a monologue about who he is and then he just carried her through blah 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 it's like no, they just treated him like he was just some. Like, I think yeah. they just called him old man or old, you know. And it's like I like. I know that's something small, but I like that because uh, they it really pushed that they didn't give a damn about Joel. Mm-hmm. And because obviously, as I've said n- numerous amounts of times, Joel is fantastic, right? Uh, actually, I haven't said that. I just he's great. I like Joel, right? But when I got to that point, I was like, yeah, that makes completely makes sense. Um, but yeah, I want to talk about as well uh, my the differences between when I played it in 2013 and 2020. Um, it kind of hit it, it hit more this year with me, just with everything that's going on right now, of course. And then um, a lot's happened to me in those seven years that has cha- completely changed my viewpoint on the characters. I would have been with Adam, right? Uh, I would not have given a damn about Joel. I, in fact, when I played it, I don't think I did give a damn about Joel. I just gave a damn about Ellie um, when I first played it. Um, but this time around, I connected with him, and I really got him. Um, and I think it's just because of small things in my past that connected me to him. Um, and yeah, like that's really good story writing, because he's trying to connect your humanity to this like made-up person. And they managed to do that. Um, and it's the same with everybody else. Uh, the, <laughs> Bill, though, I, I feel like the Bill section was probably my least favorite section. Um, I I know Bill was basically meant to, meant to be a mirror of Joel, except he was um, <laughs> he was a bit more open and aggressive about it. Yeah. Right. But basically, all the angst that you see in Joel, or you you like would well passive passive aggressively see in Joel, was coming out in Bill. And it was it, that was cool, but again, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, also, I want to bring up another thing about Bill. I don't know if anybody else noticed, but they reused the Bill model, like in every scene <laughs> after Bill, 
after Bill's actual section. I kept on seeing him. I kept on having to. I was like, oh, hey, Bill, shoots headshot. Really? Hey, Bill, headshot. Yeah. I kept I'm on gonna seeing him. I'm going to have to that. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, the thing um, I thought, I thought you were going to call out the giraffe bit, if I'm completely honest. Oh, oh right. Stupid. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't stupid. It was pure. What are you talking? Yeah. What are you talking about? It's the closest analog we have to Resident Evil. In Resident Evil Two, <laughs> it's liquor at the window. In oh, Last of Us, it's giraffe at the window. Giraffe in the Resident Evil Six logo. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's that too. Look, giraffes and Resident Evil are more intrinsic than you think. <laughs> The giraffe's a working actor at this point. I hated those giraffes. That was so dumb. No, I love, I love them so much. But why? Just... It just didn't make any sense. So like, I was. Uh, look cute. I would, I would love to to jump in about the, the story it. because it's uh, it, it it was surprising to me from from the get go because I, I I kind of. There's, there's something to know about me is that I, I do not deal well with games in the first couple of hours. Um, I've, had, I've played too many games that almost seem to kind of have a sort of a two-hour window where that's where all the introduction is, that's where all the cutscenes are, that's where all the tutorials are. And you're not really going to get to the meat of the game until you get through that. So I always have to psych myself up for a new game because I know that's coming. Mm. And I was surprised with how brisk uh, The Last of Us is in this respect because... Uh, you get through the majority of the introduction uh, within the first 30 minutes, and by that point, you have already um, taken in the stealth elements and and some of the combat. Um, so you're already well on your way to actually actually uh, learning the ropes of the game, uh, while also getting the you know the main beats of the story up and running. And so it works really well in that way, and the, the pace is is very good throughout. I kind of consider it. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of. <laughs> And I, I don't know what the the TV tropes official definition is for something like this, but I, I'm coining the term uh, "cross country mission movie." Um, <laughs> doesn't roll off the tongue, but I, I, I'm trying to be uh, accurate. It, it reminded me dumb, a lot dumb. of uh, <laughs> you know what exactly, exactly like movies like movies like that, where you uh, you have you have characters that are, are again that. They're going to various locations, often across a, a long distance, and they'll r run into other characters along the way, and they end up kind of forming the story beats um, throughout. And they kind of obviously help shape the characters on the way as well. The closest uh, comparison I could think of when I was playing the game uh, was actually the last movie I saw before all this lockdown, uh, and that was 1917. That that has a mm. very much a, de a, a deliberate mission of, of where the characters need to go, but they... They run into a lot of other people along the way, um, often through barren landscapes, just like Last of Us. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a very it's a very good story. Um, the the themes are incredibly strong. This is a this is a story about a sort of a lost humanity, uh, which I, which I th I think we can, uh, you know, relate to to some extent with you know with the uh, impacts of coronavirus over the. The last six months or so, I, I think you know, you know, when when the day comes eventually that we we do fully uh, move past this period, I think under the surface we'll we'll have a a feeling, not necessarily something we might publicly speak about, but a feeling of loss because there's you know lost people, lost mm. jobs, lost mm. lifestyle, uh, things have been fundamentally changed, and in a very very extreme lens, 
uh, Last of Us deals with those themes because ultimately people have lost so much that they are past the point of being able to accept or even acknowledge loss. Um, we know what Joel's went through and we then spend the rest of the game with Joel uh, failing to try and recognize that until he absolutely has to. Um, and when he does that, that is a triumph for his humanity. And that that's right throughout the game. We, we start off with a very cold world um, that is, it's, it's systematic. Uh, you know, you either are on the other end of the barrel or you're the one shooting the gun. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really, there's nothing in between that. And so everybody, everybody acts in that same kind of way. It's quite callous. It's, it's really cold. Um, you know, there aren't many children in this world. They, they, you know, Joel Alvarez says that you know, kids don't stick around long. Uh, actually, no, I think it was actually Henry who said that. Uh, so, you know, kids don't stick around long, uh, you know, without the hunters and stuff like that, because they're not useful. Um, it's a very cruel world. And we learn through, uh, you know, Ellie and Joel's uh, growing relationship that there is a hope for them at the end of this. They, they both, in the end, acknowledge what they have lost, how much it meant to them, how much it means to them to kind of keep going and find reason to keep going in a pretty hopeless world. Uh, as far as the as far as far as the structure of you know making Joel a, a bit of a donkey and he and he and he is um, you know those ladder segments are are <laughs> donkey jobs um, but at this but at the same time uh, that that's kind of part of the reason of the the story beat with with Tess because but it's not something we haven't seen before uh, as as a plot device Star Wars Children of Men. We take characters who aren't necessarily our point of view, but are either uh, related to the point of view um, or, qu or quite important. And it's they who have the task. And then they obviously, they of course, uh, you know, die usually quite early on in the films. And then that's then passed on mm. to our reluctant POV, who really doesn't have an interest or investment, but they have an investment in the person who they've lost and what they were fighting for. And so I kind of I came out of it completely different with regards to to Tess's sacrifice because ultimately it meant that Joel was being thrown into a world he really didn't want to face. Uh, you know, here he is, you know, with a you know with a young girl who he's now got to you know protect through a, a place he hasn't even wandered through, um, and and knows how harsh and brutal you know a reality it is. He's constantly trying to fob her off. And he eventually does hit that point where he he doesn't want to give her up, um, and that's why the realization in the in the hospital is is so great. When he just I had the same feeling. I was like, why on earth, why on earth would we cut this relationship short now? Um, they yeah. they've just started to really figure out a way of being able to to live past this and start to make plans, and, and all of a sudden you want to just you know chuck her away like some you know hazard waste it was mm. you know it was obviously it was a it was a cold thing and it made sense that that joel had that kind of reaction to it um i mean it's uh it, it's obviously it's a very it's a very dark story mm -hmm. it, it it goes into some very desperate places um but i think it handles it well and it breaks it up well um the, you know the pace the pacing in the in the game is i think fantastic 
because you 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 typically kind of will have a uh, you know segment where it's Joel with a partner, then break up and it's just Joel and Ellie, then Joel with another character, then it's break up just Joel and Ellie, and and so on and so forth. And it kind of takes you through that as you're going through the different locations. There's a couple of time skips, uh, but it helps to kind of break away from you know the the more sort of tougher subject matter um, that comes up. Uh, if I was to compare its focus as as a sort of a narrative in its environment uh, to any movie, it kind of reminds me a lot of 28 Days Later, where the infected are a part of the story. They, they, it's, it's impossible to do the story without them. Right. But they are not the focus. The focus is on what hu- humanity has lost, um, you know, through this awful virus and all of the uh, consequences that followed after that. Um, and it's not just because you're sort of like you you get to the end and you you realize that the the people who are meant to help are not you know in in our notion of help mm. actually helping um but it it's more about that that struggle um you know that that man faces going forward um that everybody's just very cold and and callous and, and stuff like that and i I was surprised I liked that because obviously we kind of come into this. We, you know, we're a Resident Evil podcast, so we want to look at zombies. We want to fight zombies. We want to interact with all, all of those aspects. But it does take a back seat. If you're going into this game really looking for the infected storyline, you'll probably be um, you know, disappointed or shortchanged. Yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily say what's there uh, is disappointing because it's actually it's a, it's a fantastic character study. On, on how we deal with, uh, you know, devastating global effects, um, and you know, in in the context of something, you know, a, a world that is, you know, fifteen, twenty years past that initial devastation, um, it's it's pretty stark. So when you get to the end of it, and there's there's at least a little spark um, that both Joel and Ellie have some better days ahead after all of that they've went through. Uh, it, it feels like a growth in the arc. I really like your uh, your points about the theming, definitely, and it and it brings me back to sort of we mentioned the giraffe part, but it's it's but it's weird because it seems such a silly thing, but in the context of everything, um, it is a really important part because it follows on from the as you mentioned the game sort of split up with time jumps. You know, it's it's got sort of different seasons, and whilst we're at it, that's also something that I really liked is. You, you get that non-cartoon character effect because they actually change clothes throughout the seasons, which is nice. But um, when you get to winter, obviously that is the probably the the most. It's definitely the darkest part of the game. It's definitely probably the most intense part of the game as well. That whole section, um, and it, and it really highlights the themes that you mentioned there about sort of a loss of a loss of direction and a loss of humanity. Um, and then you follow that up with. Yeah, they're, 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 they're coming down the sort of highway. Um, Joel's telling Ellie he's going to teach her to play guitar. So he's already talking about the future. Uh, and he seems like a bit of a changed man. And you get that moment with the giraffe where it is it is a small beacon of hope that there's something else out there. There is some good still left out there. Although I will say I wasn't but massively... humans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go and live with the giraffes. I... Um... <laughs> I'm not so sure about the, the, the final moments. Um, I do like the, you know, Joel's decision, but also his decision to lie to her about it leaves it on a really... I think it's an interesting note, definitely, absolutely. You know, you, it leaves you to make your own mind up about 
what's wrong and what's right in that situation and where you go from there. But it just sat very strangely with me. Um, Steve, think, how did you... Oh, no, go ahead. I think it showcases Joel as somewhat of an inept, hum, inept emotionally. Mm. The easiest thing to do in that situation is we to just say, lie. no, that's not what happened. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, true. It's a no explanation explanation. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like it fits the character um, right. for him. He's still got a lot of issues and hang-ups. No, 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 that's, that, that's, that's a fine point. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about the overall story? Let's, my goodness, well, we feel like we've, I feel like I've always talked over everything I want to say. <laughs> um, I think for the most part, I, I enjoy it. I, uh, my favourite chapter is actually the darkest chapter, Winter. But, you know, overall, mm. I, I enjoyed it. The, the narrative itself and Joel as a character, I, was, I, th- I see as like, an inverse to Walter White from Breaking Bad. Like, he's already in the heart of darkness, and this is his slow crawl out, but he will still slip back in there. Mm. Um, because I know a lot of people don't like Joel as he was an instant villain and a very cruel person, and he does some truly monstrous things, like unbelievably monstrous things. But at the end of the day, he's just trying to look out for Ellie by the end of it. I mean, originally, it's self, 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 isn't it? He just wants these guns. That's why he still takes up Tess's, like, dying wish, I mm. think. Obviously, that changes, because being around Ellie has had this uh, passive effect on him, makes him, you know, kind of deal with the, the clear 20 years of grief he has had over his daughter's death. Um, but the second that Ellie is in danger, is at risk, we see that, that torture scene where he's interrogating those two cannibal guys. Right. Like that he's hundred percent back in the heart of darkness and is willing to do anything to get Ellie back. And then moments later, the second he's back with her, he's a like slowly, slowly working his way to trying to be a normal functioning father figure. You know, as opposed to just someone who jokes around and then Can I occasionally jump in, Steve? has Hey? Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, go for it. So I think an interesting thing that we haven't really touched on is that while Joel gets like, like you're saying, he's like becoming this father figure and getting a lot of humanity. Ellie is straight losing hers because of Joel. She Mm. like murders dudes hardcore and you can't pretend that that's not because of going around with Joel and watching him just so casually killing like, Hmm. She goes through a lot of stuff, but she's, like, brutally killing people at, like, 14 years old or whatever. 100%. I, I, you know, the, I, was, I was working away too much. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, like, in contrast, that, you know, Ellie is slowly becoming more and more of a sociopath. But she's not like... I would still say that there's, there is a, a, a... The milk of human kindness, there is more of it in Ellie than there is Joel. You know, she's still more human, even though she does truly monstrous things to get them both across this country. Mm-hmm. Although I would argue the winter chapter is probably actually in, t- in terms of raw gameplay, one of my favorites, because a lot of the, um, the vertical slice stuff, it feels like they've trimmed out some of the facts. So Ellie is already, she's not as optimal as your Joel probably will be, but she'll be able to be played fairly optimally for most stealth and action sequences, mm-hmm. which is strange considering she's a 14 year old girl with a rifle. <laughs> but you know, overall, I did prefer that gameplay-wise, but get off track. No, Ellie herself, she's losing everything, as Adam has just pointed out. And the last act, you know, skipping straight to the end, the the Fireflies, they still see Joel as he was when he left with Ellie. They see him as just this gun-running, 
horrible human being. And obviously, he then learns that this girl he's become very attached to, the she's going to lose her life to these people who've just literally treated him like complete garbage. They've not even given her, uh, give her a say in the matter. She's just going to be sacrificed, whether she likes it or not. And he flips out. And in so doing, kills pretty much the entire or most of the group, kills uh, the doctor who was potentially going to find a cure to this horrible virus and save humanity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, if you ask me, humanity was well past saving. I don't think a vaccine's going to work at this point. How are they going to synthesize a vaccine anyway? Like, From one brain. Uh, I, well, I don't know. That, but the amount of people, like the amount of resources that is clearly in this world. Exactly. Also, also just to chime in, I, isn't there a note somewhere that the, Ellie's not the first? Okay. I, they've, I think they've done so. this. Yeah, they've done yeah. this multiple times, and it hasn't succeeded. But it, it's like a half lie that Joel tells at the end. Can I? <laughs> can I finish my point? <laughs> of course, Steve, um, of course. Uh, um, th yeah, the thing is, though, Ellie's wish was for her life to mean something. Like that's she says it outright that she wants her bike to mean something. She wants it to do something, and as a result, Joel technically still acts very selfishly in saving her by even robbing Ellie the chance. Now, we, we all know in the, the, the larger context of this thing that she may have, it may have meant nothing anyway, but to Ellie it did. Hmm. You know? Um, and I feel like that's actually one of the cruelest things in the game. And the fact that is that we can all some, somehow still agree with it, which is dark. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think as, in, in all fairness, um, you guys have definitely opened my eyes up to a little bit to, to certain parts that I maybe overlooked so well said on, on, on a lot of those parts um i'm regarding side characters as well um they all play a part don't they they all definitely influence the main characters yeah like um tess obviously a driving force reason why joel carries on then you've got bill who it feels like if if ellie wasn't around this is probably how joel would have ended up you know a miserable old curmudgeon who just hides out in the town waiting to die and then Tommy is the other way around of had Joel seen the light earlier. You know, or at least that's the way I see it. They all seem like counterpart mirrors to him. Yes. Um, but yeah. That, yes, that's my no, bit. I'm sorry exactly. for basically saying, can I speak my piece? And <laughs> but, uh, no, that's all good. It's all good. I think this has been an episode where everyone has had a lot to say. So uh, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's cool. And now, reading Survivor's Note from The Last of Us, Taylor Bartlett, who you can follow on Twitter at Lionheart00071. One open door. That's all it took. One of us forgot to close the door, and a horde of those monsters entered our camp. We shut them in there, and wrote a warning on the outside. Susan and a couple of kids are with me. As far as I know, we're the only survivors. I had to hold Susan so she wouldn't run back in there to go back for their bodies. It's just too dangerous. She lost her children, and I have no clue what to say to her. Every part of my being just wants to give up. It'd be so easy to turn into this world. I can't do that, though. I have too much faith in humanity. I've seen that we're still capable of good. We can make it. I have to stay strong for her. Ish. So let's let's tie it up a little bit. Let's talk about the the last point that we usually end up with, which is uh, atmosphere. 
look, sound, you know, all the aesthetic stuff. Um, so I'm going to throw to Adam again to open this one up. How did you feel about the sort of look and sound of The Last of Us? I think this is the one point where I can't fault the game, really. Mm. Um, I think it does a great job with its um, atmosphere and it and the look of the game. It really um, is the one thing that I consistently enjoyed and, and got me as far as I did get. Um, I thought it was interesting and varied. You know, you, you're going through a lot of different environments. Well, similar but different environments. Um, and I thought they were all... Um, I like it when a, when a, a studio pays attention to detail a lot of the times you play a game and you're in like a suburbs or whatever but there are elements where you're like now this takes me out of it, it doesn't look real they didn't pay, mm. they didn't pay attention to real life whereas i feel like the last you know living in the american midwest and, and living in the suburbs it looks very very faithful to what they're trying to to show, which mm. I really, really appreciated. You know, it wasn't just like cookie cutter, reused sort of, I mean, obviously there's a lot of reused assets, but it wasn't like every house is the same and, you know, right. stuff. I feel like they did a great job with that and I appreciate it. I don't remember too much of the soundtrack, to be honest. So like I've said before that that's one thing that's normally missed on me anyway. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember that being super impactful. I did like the sound design in terms of um, in-game sounds. The clickers are great. That's yeah, a sure. Fun sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I felt it was good. Um, it, it suffers from some the a lot of these stealth games suffer from like obvious placement of stuff where you're like, this is to hide behind. Um, but that that can't be. Yeah, and, you know, you, yeah. you've kind of got to have that kind of stuff for sure. Um, but that's the only thing that I felt was kind of sometimes jarring um, in in the otherwise really good uh, visual design. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, one of my points was that it, it does feel like a world lived in. Um, I said before about exploring all the houses and stuff to find supplies. Um, whilst it can kind of drag a little later into the game. It isn't too bad because, yeah, it feels like a real location. You're exploring all these differently laid out houses. It's not a lot of copy. and I mean, obviously, there is elements of copy and paste, you know, um, the same chest of drawers and stuff, just stupid stuff like that. But the actual layouts of the houses, they all feel like different buildings. So that was nice. Uh, Steve, I'm going to throw to you next so you don't, uh, <laughs> so no one steals all your points. How did you feel about the look and the sound? Uh, this is weird. I'm torn because the vistas are truly beautiful. The 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 sights of humanity having been overgrown, and I I love myself a snowy wooden landscape as we established talking about re 8 like teaser. So I I really do appreciate the actual visuals, but there are points where it just gets generic as hell. Like the 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 overtaken cities and skyscrapers are great from the inside, but on the I'm oh, sorry, great from the outside. On the inside. They're just kind of dull concrete with green <laughs> vines or the occasional moldy person in the corner that's filled with dust. Outside, visually, it's great. Inside, it looks like Fallout 3 over and over <laughs> and over again. Uh, is that harsh? That might be a bit harsh. No, that makes absolute sense. And buildings don't look like that on the inside as well. They're not great concrete. So that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> 
I, mean, I remember being, uh, I, I want to say it's a train station, isn't it? Um, like a train station or a tram station where mm. there's a load of clickers early on. Yes. And just yeah. uh, every room looked the same except for the main, like, hub. And I remember getting lost in there. Huh. Despite the fact that there's, like, like, it's, it's only, like, there's only one way in and one way out. Uh, yeah, those, those kind of rooms, they're just boring. And then there's the, the I think it's the overturned skyscraper we said, where that, that still somehow managed to find a way to make itself boring on the inside. Like, you would have thought, because that whole sequence is like pretty, pretty dynamically interesting. And the whole, you're in a skyscraper, you're in a sideways leaning side, uh, skyscraper. Steve speak English good. Um, you know, but no, when you're outside, it's phenomenal. When you're like inside, it's, it's it's rubbish. It's, I'm, just, I'm trying to be nice. It's, it's, it's just rubbish. Except for one exception to that, and that is the school. Uh, the school generally terrified the living daylight outside of me, especially if you go into the room where the bloater crawls out. Um, and it's just horrifying in there. Just mold and mushrooms all over the walls. Like, yeah, disgusting. When they let the cordyceps do their thing to the environment, mm. it's good. Yes. That's funny. Obviously, I had a very different experience about the interior of buildings, but... I would agree definitely the the most atmospheric parts of the game for me were uh all the bits we have to stick your gas mask on because it's super infected with the, the virus and stuff that that uh that was the most atmospheric which is obviously assisted heavily by the challenge of those gameplay parts and you know the clickers and all that all that stuff um James how did you feel about the atmosphere uh yeah um i I, I liked it um I do agree though that the <laughs> I, I, I prefer being outside in the game. Mm -hmm. I really did. Like it was it was so much prettier outside in a in a weird way. Um but also yeah, I agree with Steve, like the rooms just all there was a point actually in my stream where I'm going through a section and the game is it was obviously progress it was obviously progression and and I went, wait, have I been here before? Because it was exactly the same room. It was just copy pasted. Um, it just, but I was like, oh, I mustn't have been here because there's actual items here, right? And <laughs> that I have, I have picked up before, so I was like, oh, right, okay. So yeah, it, it did feel very samey when I was indoors. I did not feel, I know you're not meant to feel safe, but I felt safer outside than I did indoors as well, which I suppose is what they were trying trying to do. But yeah, um, was, was, are you okay, Adam? <laughs> Something going on? He's going okay. in his tent again. Yeah, <laughs> I just had to, my my legs started to cramp up because I got oh, so I just had to move it. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, but um, the game looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. It still does. Like uh, multiple times, I just I just stand there and just look at the game. Especially that point. I know, I know, we joke about it, but the point, the the bit with the with the giraffe, like the dynamics of the dark of you being in the windows and then the light and then all the colors around and the mountains in the background it just chef's kiss it was just amazing <laughs> yeah um um and the characters look great sound design fantastic um i want to want to hit on a little point i forgot to make it earlier right um i won't talk about it much but the the overlay the ui yes. there was something i didn't the the weapon changing system oh it was awful and I didn't like it, and I couldn't get used to it. Even towards the end of the game, I kept on miss, uh, like just kept on missing weapons, and I'd have to 
go and it just broke me from the game a little bit from mm. the from the pacing of the game was that silly weapon wheel it wasn't even a wheel it was a uh, weapon tank control thing it was just weird uh i didn't like it across uh, I, hate, I hated it as well i hate yeah. it yeah yeah you I press put... up or down or left and right or maybe twice to get a gun you have to upgrade your hostels though no. yeah i like no, it no, i like no, no 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 steve right no that isn't everything <laughs> right because then you'd have to go left once then you'd have to Hold X down, then you'd have to cycle. Yeah. No, see that's an early game, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a strange thing that your weapons weapon wheel is part of the progression system. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. A, we a, we a weapon wheel it works. It's it's always worked. Stick to a weapon wheel, right? You know, you know, you know where your weapons are. Stop trying to make it overly complicated by giving me three or four different actions to do to click my weapon. This is a survival game. Where I'm meant to know where all my weapons are at, are at the right time, especially Joel, who's an absolute tank. You know, he's meant to know where his weapons are. Stop making him just go, oh, um, oh. um, mm, where did I put my knife <laughs> and my, uh, you know. In defense, you can't put everything immediately accessible on your on your human body. So I do like the idea that you can sort of go, okay, this is going to be here. Uh, and if I really need to swap to, say, the bow, and all I've got out is the shotgun and the rifle on my, my long weapons, I'm going to have to sit it down somewhere and get it out properly, which exposes you if you're in the middle of a firefight. Yeah. Obviously, that's that's a gameplay choice, I think, definitely. And I can understand the reasoning. No, I personally, I personally really liked it. Side, how is there no knives anywhere? Ellie's <laughs> <laughs> got the one. Needs yeah. more knives. Um, I, no, I, I like the system um, because I'm not really much of a fan of, of weapon wheels. Um, I don't really like going to diagonals because <laughs> I think it, it complicates it a little bit too much myself. So I kind of like the idea that it was kind of it was categorizing it in sort of four directions. Um, you know, you've got your you've got your health and um, throwable items, uh, your d distraction items, and mm -hmm. then it's either short range or long range. Um, and so it, you just know that it's if you want if you want your short range, it's a tap to the right. You want the other short range, tap it twice. And if you really do need to cycle through y your weapons, which you shouldn't typically need to that much because you can prepare ahead of the situation usually every kind of combat or stealth scenario is kind of laid out in front of you like a like a chessboard really mm -hmm. um you can kind of you can kind of plan it around that but you know i mean it's it's one of those things that where it is tricky to get right but i kind of like that it was something that was different because i've seen a lot of weapon wheels i've not seen a, a weapon cross before <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it, it, it was it was unique um but there were there were several times during my game my my game uh my playthrough that i was going oh just wait a second i've just got to go through my pockets you know <laughs> and find what thing i need the the crafting system though i did like it i i did like it it was once i got used to it and everything it you know i was just constantly like oh i've got everything uh everything at three everything's bonza it was great um it was super but yeah the back to the aesthetics and the sound sound fantastic sounds the, the sounds of the guns sound great mm -hmm. um the sound direction, uh, like lit literally the direction of the sound was so good. I knew where everything was when I was listening to yeah. that game. And it was oh and it was scary as well. Like I think the bit where I noticed it the most when uh when it was Tess and they were just getting out of the city, it was at the end where they were going through the um homeland security, and you hear the soldiers above, and I was like 
oh crap, I didn't even know they were there. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, and then I used, you know, Joel's super hearing, uh, super sense. Uh, he was the <laughs> and then I'd seen them. Um, but yeah, uh, what, what, what else, what else was there? So the sound, how it, how it looks, how, yeah, I, I think that, I think that covers everything. I was very impressed mm. by the game. Um, really, really, really loved it. Um, everything about how it looked and how it sounded. I, I need to play this game without that feature used, you know. I think grounded mode disables the mm. the, um, the super the super hearing because I feel like that I'm missing a part out. Because as much as as funny as it is the idea that Joel takes a shed load of tablets and goes, Ellie, I can now hear father. You know, I kinda <laughs> I wanna see what it's like to play it like a normal human being in that environment. Because yes. there is a terror to hearing a clicker on your headphones as it's moving from left to right, skulking behind you. That sounds like a good speed run challenge. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think the sound design is very strong. I thought the music was decent. I can't actually. It's one of those things where now I don't remember any of the actual songs, but or any of the melodies. But I do remember the, the general tone and the vibe and the instrumentation choice. There's a lot of acoustic guitar and stuff like that, um, which is oh. nice. Oh, also, yeah. Sorry, it was the soundtrack I was going to go on about. Um, just shortly. Uh, I liked that uh, the music, the soundtrack was only typically it was only ever an intro to the to to each scene. Yeah, you would, and I liked that because mm -hmm. it and you you would always. I know it sounds weird, but you always know what's coming just based on the the sound, the the, the actual music that came along. Like if it was that, um, if it was the upbeat guitar solo acoustic guitar, you knew that there was going to be a story element coming. <laughs> you know, it's like a strong story element. But if it was slower, um, you knew there was maybe going to be a sad bit coming, and maybe some clickers going to be coming by your face. Yeah, but I like, I, I like, I like the way they did that. Yeah, this, this is a good point. Um, in terms of the visuals, for me, um, this is a game that's a great example uh, of what I love about Naughty Dog is that that they don't drain the color out of any and everything. You know, this game is obviously so. Looking at their previous back catalog. Um, this game is more realistic and more serious than Uncharted and a hell of a lot more realistic than, you know, Crash Bandicoot, for example. Uh, but they did make it a drag fest, you know, it's not, whilst the game is kind of an emotional ride, if that's, if that's what you're in for and that's what you engage with or that part of it, it's not just a drab, horrible, grey looking game. There is colour everywhere, there is, there's evidence of life you know you know environmental storytelling it's it it's not boring to look at in the slightest which i really liked uh jordan what was your view on the sort of visual and audio design well i i, I think uh it goes it goes without saying this is a beautiful game whether you're playing it on the ps3 or whether you're playing it on a ps4 or mm -hmm. if they ever decide to remaster it for the ps5 um it, it, it's a, it's a fantastic experience i, I really like that you brought up the point side about the actual color because there is so much color in this game and i'm so glad that they did that i think that's a sign of the times of, of, of when it came out 2013 was a, a bit more it was a bit more free and a bit more liberal with the use of color again mm -hmm. um it had went through that whole period of sort of late 2000s or, you know early 2010s where it was still there were a lot of drab games out there and um you you just couldn't do that for this for this game and be able to go through everything and and 
come out of it with any kind of positive experience. Th there had to be um, enough, you know, variety and and color to it. And obviously, it's kind of it's tinged with a sadness because you're you're seeing this very quite bright and colorful world, but it is it is abjectly lonely. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it, you know, it's it's without much in terms of humanity and interaction. Um, you know, minus the AI partners, which I'll get to in a, in a moment. But um, the soundtrack's great. Um, I believe the soundtrack is by Gustavo Santolala, who's um, he's, he's, he's worked on film compositions as well. Um, great guitar work, and and, and it's is used when appropriate, but otherwise takes a, a massive backseat for most of the game. Most of the game just doesn't have the music, and it doesn't need it because you're. You're really just working with attention. You're working with the characters and the talking. Um, it really kind of only comes in when you know it needs to kind of bridge you to a to another large development mm -hmm. in in the plot, and uh, so it's it's used very well. Um, but yeah, just it's a wonderful wonderful game. I think Naughty Dog still remain one of the absolute best uh, developers when it comes to um, uh, human characters because they never they never strive for photorealism, but they animate the characters so well that they they appeal to you emotionally in a way that a lot of games kind of miss because they do end up in that uncanny valley. Uh, but you know, when you look at Joel and Ellie, they are extremely expressive, and you know, and every you know character kind of comes off in that manner. Nobody looks like they've kind of you know missed any detail, um, and so the characters they, they stick with you, and they're, they're memorable, and uh, they everything kind of feels you know very organic. Um, I don't know if any of the actors um, have their appearance um, used for the for the for the I characters in the game. So, um, I, so I, I think it's I think it's great that they've been able to kind of come up with these completely brand new identities um, for the actors to kind of work with and kind of bring them across so well that they they really do feel human, um, and everyone kind of leaves an imprint whether they're there for a good portion of the game or they're just there for, for one chapter of it. Um, it's, it's funny you mention that, Jordan, because I remember a controversy about Ellen Page and Ellie's likeness to her. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think anyone remembers, like, Gerard Butler being upset at the fact that he's pretty much photocopied in for Joel. <laughs> uh, or at least that's the yeah. way I see it. I mean, it's it, it's hard to it's hard to deny because you do, you do look at it and it's like it's like yeah I, I think it's just because Ellen Page kind of played so many characters that were kind of similar to that role yeah, um, yeah. that I mean there, there was certainly more more weight to that argument than there was Lindsay Lohan claiming that GTA Five ripped off <laughs> <laughs> so even though there's weight to it you know it's it's just one of those things I would not be surprised if the person who you know designed Ellie kind of mm -hmm. went with uh, that actress in mind and there's nothing wrong with that that's a you know that's a a, a compliment and a tribute um I, I, you see it in plenty of video games um of of actors or, or you know famous figures that are quite directly um associated with a certain character Which, um uh, to, just to yeah just to hit on something with that um I think she had a vested interest, Ellen Page, because that was the same year that Beyond Two Souls came out. Yes, yes, right. that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so she, felt, you know, she'd probably been nudged, nudged, like, oh, look what they're doing, huh? you know, uh, by Chris. <laughs> is it Chris and Dynamics that do those those games? No. Uh, um, yes, yeah, no. it, it looked like dream, yeah. 
the, ah, the naughty dog it? actually redesigned her appearance. Um, oh, she she definitely went through a change. Out that she looked like Ellen Page, so she looked even more like Ellen. Oh Payne. right, <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't really shake it off. It's, uh, it's just it's it's too similar a character. Even it doesn't necessarily look like her sort of facial wise. It's just it's just a character really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Although it's fu- it's funny because the uh, the actress who plays Ellie, you know, fan- fantastic actress. I thought it was really going to be a sticking point for me because I grew up with with Recess, um, and I th- <laughs> she, she she voiced Gretchen on there, and I really thought that I was going to, I don't know, get caught out and hear Gretchen's voice come out. Doesn't even though she's obviously again, you know, playing, a, you know, a school kid uh, character. I I uh, I think she's you know, a great great actress, and the. Uh, Acting overall is yes. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll kind of get into that. Just a point to kind of bring about the acting, at least in the sort of like the supporting cast. And it's, this is more to do with atmosphere. Is just how many interactions there are between uh, the partner characters throughout the game. It's fantastic. You don't have to go through it. You don't have to experience it. And you can actually interact with it more. But there's there's all these segments where obviously if you have a party of, you know, more than two people, they'll start talking to each other. Mm. They'll have they'll have conversations while you're on the road, which which really works well. Um, especially if you're kind of keeping a bit of a brisk pace because you get to experience everything without necessarily things going quiet, without necessarily being not only without uh soundtrack, but without dialogue. And um, I loved all of that. I, I was really, I was really soaking that in. I went from sort of starting the game thinking, right, well, I just want to kind of see everything there is to see about this game in a quite quick fashion. To me, deliberately kind of hanging back so I could sort of, you know, see what happened when uh, Ellie and Sam decide to go play darts and you know see who wins from that and everything. And uh, it's it's a, it's a success when a game gets you to do that. It doesn't force you to do that, but actually says. If you want to go and stand out on that balcony and, uh, you know, watch the giraffes with Ellie's, you can do it. Um, and if you feel it's important enough, you can do it. And mm. it, it's earned that. And so uh, I think that's I think that's great. But, um, yeah, what, what do you guys think of the the acting? Yeah, oh, I, okay, I, I, I abs- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely adored it. Um, mm. Of course, Ashley Johnson is uh, or. Like they had, they had Sam Regal in there. Definitely heard him. I have a an ear for it of all the Critical Role crew, mm-hmm. right? So there's Ashley Johnson, Sam Regal. Matt uh, is in heard, there as well. I heard Matt in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laura Bailey's in there. Yep. Um, even I think I yeah I definitely heard Travis as well. Um, and oh, just oh yeah, and uh, uh, Liam O'Brien is actually a, a voice director in this game. So and and I hear him a couple of times in it as well. So it's, it was I will just always laud these people. They never do anything wrong when it comes <laughs> to voice the voices. But then the rest of the like the the main cast, they're you know they are amazing too. It's just they're so believable, and it just the, their acting is so great um, that uh, I really that I think that's why I connected with them so much because they're just their little stories and their little mannerisms and they all felt very unique. Um, Naughty Dog and their voice directing team did so well, and they had fantastic actors to work with. Um, and that, I think that's probably one of the strongest. Well, it is the strongest point because their strongest point in the story and the way you carry a story is through the characters, and they right. did so well. Uh, they did, did so well doing that and and putting it all together. I don't remember if 
Uh, how established Troy Baker was, I imagine he was still, he was a pretty big deal before this. From what I, it's all a bit of a blur in my brain, but yeah, um, I'm I'm pretty sure after this it exploded even more. Um, for me, this is absolutely one of his best performances of his career as Joel. I mean, they're all fantastic across the board in this game, but uh, yeah, th- th- this is definitely one of his best for me. Um, cool. Well, uh, we've been running kind of long on this one. As I say, everyone had quite a lot to say, and there is five of us on. But I'm going to lead us to the end now. Um, if everyone would like to wrap up their thoughts on the game um, <laughs> as briefly as possible, perhaps. Um, Steve, what's your overall feelings on The Last of Us? Just one quick question before we dive into the ending. Did any of us ever touch the multiplayer? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> no. Cool. Yeah, I did I did play Left Behind, but not not the yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, um so yeah, it's a game that has a complete feature that I have never tried. Right. Just, just to just to put it out there. And I I, I can't see it as a game I'll play frequently. Hmm. Uh but I it's definitely one I can come back to every year or so to retread. I even though the gameplay, as we said, is a bit milk toast. Uh, the story in itself and the the traversal through the world, getting through to the story and having it conclude, is an experience that's very enjoyable in a dark, grim way. So I, I'll give you the caveat that if you're into a game for your instant action and your just self-gratification of blowing away some monsters or just having a quick mission or a quick skirmish, this is not the game for you. If you are... Wanting a sit-down, like, season box set of a Netflix special kind of thing, watching series or something. that like, If you want a big, lengthy... St- well, actually, it's, it's not too long, is it? It's only about 11, 15 hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, in video game terms, fairly reasonable these days. Uh, it's a it's a good jaunt for an adventure. Uh, the thing is, it's, it's very limited in terms of replay value on a uh, modifying the story or anything mm-hmm. like that. There's no, like, telltale stuff. So in that regards, it's narratively linear. And the only mixing up you'll get is through combat. And overall, yeah, if if I had to put a number on it, probably eight, eight out of ten. Yeah, I think I feel like I was. I'm going to come off badly in this podcast because I was ripping apart some of the story and stuff like that, and and saying, yeah, the gameplay isn't anything special. Um, but I did enjoy the experience overall, and I mostly agree. I don't think it's quite as amazing as everyone says, and maybe that's a. Maybe that's a time thing. Maybe that's a hype level being too high thing, like we said. But I, I, I enjoyed it as an overall experience. And I think that as a game that is lauded so much, um, people should at least give a try and see what they uh, what they think about it. It's definitely a time commitment game. Not in the sense that it's long, but yeah, it is not, um, it is not junk food, is it? You, you've got to sit down and, and get through it uh, as if it was... As if it was a playable movie, but not in the same way as Uncharted. This is actually, yeah, there is some, there's some real depth to this. Um, and even though I, I feel like I've pointed out a lot of things that I didn't like and flaws I didn't like, uh, yeah, it, it is it's a, it's a really, really strong exclusive for Sony, um, and I can see why people latched onto it. Um, Jordan, what's your your final thoughts on The Last of Us? I think it's. Uh... I, th- I think it's more of a sort of a classic style game. Um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily try to to reinvent the wheel, but mm-hmm. it kind of more introduces you to the wheel that you already know. Um, but does so in presenting it as as very refined uh, as a, as an experience. I, I I think that it's worth it's worth a try. 
um, especially coming from someone like me who was very skeptical of cinematic games. It's on. It's honestly um, one of the one of the more sort of forgiving for, ones to forgive um, in that respect. I think it's quite. I think it's quite solid. I give it an eight out of ten myself. Um, I, I, I feel like I've probably been quite glittering with the praise for it, but I, I, as my own personal experience and not necessarily being as invested as maybe big fans were of it at the time, it it really impressed me. Uh, but there was perhaps some room for for other things. I, I think it's it's very solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, what are your final thoughts on The Last of Us? I tell you, you know, there's something interesting about this game um, that I've, I've within the past 15, 20 minutes, I've realized, uh, even though it has all the ingredients of past games and future games after it, um, it is still a very unique game. Um, like, if you play The Last of Us, you know it's The Last of Us. It's not like any other game. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's the, my my playthrough. I didn't feel like it, it felt like any other game. Um, but while still having elements and bringing inspiration from a lot of other games, um, if, like I, I think there is like a ton of it. I think Naughty Dog has said there's a ton of inspiration with this game when it comes to movies, games, uh, other media. Yeah. Um, I think that is a testament especially during that time where such huge titles came out uh, to still have a unique title about zombies, you know, Mm. pretty much. Um, But yeah, if I was going to give it a rating, uh, I would, um, I really, I really adore the game. Um, I, yeah, I think, you know, eight is good. Eight out of 10. That's, that's good. I wouldn't, it's not perfect, um, but I would, you know, but it's not a bad game either. It's, it's very, you know, it's it's way above average. So yeah, right. I'll give it an eight out of ten. Totally. I don't usually do the number thing, but all you guys have said eight, and I think I would agree. Yeah, let's with do that. it. I think I would agree. I think eight as well. So eight across the board. And now, Adam, would you like to give us your final thoughts on the Last of Us, which was, of course, <laughs> your your pick for your pile of shame? I am not going to give it an eight out of ten. Um... <laughs> was it ten? Ten out of ten? First ten. <laughs> Depends on the scale. Ten out of ten, I didn't enjoy. Or um, it's eight out of a hundred. <laughs> In all honesty, I and and after listening to you guys, I I see why people love this. I do. Um, it just didn't work for me personally. Um, with the exception being the visuals and the acting, um, was superb. Uh, mm. I would say that it, it, Naughty Dog have a great ability to uh, write very natural sounding games, um, and I enjoyed that. I would personally give it a five out of ten. Um, those five points being the half of the game that I did like, which was the the visuals and and the story as it went through. Other than that, I feel like it's just a very generic gameplay wise game uh it didn't do much for me unfortunately um but you know going forwards i'm excited to play some games out of your guys as part of shame <laughs> hopefully i'll enjoy it like way better um and if you haven't played god of war go play that <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's really funny that this is the first episode in this series and it, and it starts like this. It starts with uh, the person who selected it turning out that maybe they 
Should have just left her on that pile of shame after all. But I suppose <laughs> it's probably. I think it's for the best that you know, right? That's that's. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm not upset to have. Yeah, uh, of course. Attempted it, you know. It, it's. I I'm I and like I say, I'm looking forward to to doing more of these because mm-hmm. you know, let's even if I didn't enjoy it, it it's a. Uh, it's an experience that I can go forward and I, and I can have an opinion on now. Absolutely. So rather than just being like, oh, I've never played that, I can be like, oh, yeah, you know, it wasn't me. Indeed. Well, scared of mine now. <laughs> oh, what's your number for it, Adam? Five. Hey. <laughs> there we go. So on the Famitsu scaling, right, this is a 37 out of 50. Sure. Pretty solid. <laughs> 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 We weren't doing the number thing, but it feels like... <laughs> <laughs> At first you said Famitsu, and you said 37. I was like, ooh. And then you said out of 50. I was like, oh, yeah, because of five people. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors and our Patreons once again. Support the show for as little as $1 a month to help us create more bonus content like this one over at patreon.com forward slash Pod. You can also join our Discord server where you can discuss Resident Evil, The Last of Us, gaming in general. We talk about food a lot uh, with us and <laughs> other fans. And listen to the main show live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod, on Instagram at Pod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. We do have uh, so five more Pile of Shame episodes to get to, but we're going to be spreading them out. Um, so look for those in future polls if you are a Patreon subscriber and backer and all that goodness. But our next bonus episode will see us return to the Silent Hill franchise already, as you guys have voted for the Silent Hill film, the adaption of Silent Hill. And we're also going to throw in there the sequel film, the title of which I don't remember, but there's two Silent Hill films and we're going to talk about both of them. That's the point. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. Jordan is at Serialbox64. Adam is at Admica01. And James is at Moist Owlet OFF. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. Irony's sake, the, the Silent Hill sequel is called Revelations 3D. So it no. didn't reveal much if we can't remember that certainly. <laughs> wait, wait, is, is that seriously what the subtitle is? Silent Hill, Revelations yeah. 3D. I was yeah. actually going to joke. I was actually going to say, uh, just give it any generic one you got you want, like yeah. Revelations or something like that. It'll be something like that. <laughs> I knew it was something generic like that. Three-dimensional revelations. <laughs> yeah, the revelations um, are in 3D. <laughs> my no, go-to was always just say versus predator after things but there you go <laughs> <laughs>